this is assumption. Very really question, yes. I mean, really, if you look at your life, how many times did you ask yourself, "Who am I?" And even if you asked yourself, "Who am I?" There was the who. There was the false eye that was an asking it. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it was just actually deflect the attention to see your original face by asking the question, "Who am I?" Because it would be a there would already be a presumption of who's asking that question. Yeah. And I bet you more, in a lot of cases, the emphasis would be on who's asking them the, the question than to just let the question go and see what it kicks up. That's really cool when it shifts, where it isn't, the emphasis isn't on who's asking who am I, but the who am I is like a directive and then it lands and something happens. Yeah? It lands. So in other words, there's not a referral to this which neuters that question. The question just goes and really can produce like a lot of download, yeah? If it's taken to be you, it's already been neutered because you'll be asking yourself all day, who am I? But there'll be a feeling it's you that's asking the question. Sort of thwarts the possibility that that question can provide, yeah? Because that subjective look of just asking that question instead of seeing from the assumption, you would look at back to where the assumption seems to be. Yeah? And there wouldn't be any middle man or middle woman there just because you are conscious, this consciousness. So that consciousness would, be, would turn back to the subject or the assumed subject instead of just being engaged as a verb that subject's doing, like I'm conscious of you, I'm conscious of these rooms, I'm conscious of, I'm feeling all these things, which is a huge assumption. Yeah? That would be freed and you would ask, you would ask a subjective question and it wouldn't be coming from the pseudo-object, it would be coming from, let's say, mind, yeah? So mind would ask the question, who is it? Who am I? And then if you just sit with that, you'll see what occurs. Yeah? And one little moment of a pause in that question, you know, can produce like an energetic shift. That's what happened with me at one time. I was going back to Australia and... Uh, I was in the air, I was in the airplane, and I asked myself that question. I and I was actually standing in, you know, not near where my seat was, near the bathroom. So I'm always around shit. So that's when things happen for me. So I was standing there, like trying, and I asked myself, well, you know, who is this I? Yeah? And um, there was weird. It was a weird event because it was there, and then but something went cocoon, like something dropped. You couldn't see it. It wasn't like something fell off a shelf or, yeah? But something dropped, something cocoon. And then that initiated another question, yeah? And then it just initiated a, like this, this uh, avalanche of dropping for like the next hours I was on the plane. It was just, it was really cool in a way because the whole structure truly is in free fall. And there's no base on it. There's no reality to it the idea of being you. There's no reality to it. It's just huffed and puffed to make it seem real. Yeah? But when, it, when that reality, not all the activity of it, but the, the, the reality of it being the subject of, of one's life, yes? When that's questioned, and, and there, a pause is sort of associated with that, it just drops. Because it's, it's, it's on a false foundation. It's just an assumption. Yeah? If, and if questioned, if any light is shown on it, it drops. 
It has no. It doesn't have any legs to stand on. It's a, it's just a premise, yeah, that the mind has trumpeted day in and day out without ever looking or seeing if it's so. It just trumpets. Uh, it tells a story about life based from the point of view of you. you know? And the thing is, the you is a you. It's a product of the mental process. It's when there's a belief in it, when mind gets engaged with it in a certain way, then the A drops off and now it's you. And then a certain... Uh, Then it's like living in a tunnel. It's just tunnel vision. It's just self-centeredness, yeah? It may have little variations, but basically there's only a certain amount of grooves that it can go, that it can manifest over, yeah? The I, me, my, sense, sense of entitlement, all this stuff are just base, just grooves of the same, like, uh, false premise, yes? So you start having effects that seem real, but their reality is based on it's you. They don't have any reality other than that they're based on you. And if the you isn't true, then you get freedom from this quote-unquote reality you seem to be in. Yeah. Because you and I give it all the meaning it has. Like I've had a last week or two, whatever it was, I had to go in the hospital, yeah? I had to go into the emergency room. I went to the dentist clinic and I had very high blood pressure and I had been feeling it for about four or five days but I have a blind spot around I see something about the body but I don't get to the root of it yeah I need people outside of it to help me so but what happened is life was just produced a crescendo I couldn't escape yeah the thing went up and my blood pressure just kept shooting up and up and up and up so I just you know it was just like no thought involved. I just went, left the dentist, went to the clinic. They told me to go to the emergency room. I drove to San to Greenbury, went into the emergency room, and they were doing these tests and they were going to let me go. And I said, you know, there's just something wrong, you know? Something's just not right. So then they said, okay, that's when I was going to go. They said, we're going to do tests. So they did all these tests, checked out my lung, my heart, and my blood make sure they have there's a protein that the heart puts out if you've had an attack heart attacks and so everything got clear but my blood pressure was like 220 over something it was extremely fucking shooting out of the roof and uh it was like it was like a a light bulb burning like 300 watts when it's built to burn 50 watts I mean, I, I was lit up energetically man. It was, I thought I was leaving really it was getting close like I was almost like at the last stop to, Cro to Clocksville, so to speak. You know, if I don't get off soon, I'm going to the mythical Clocksville from the monkey song. <laughs> so, so, uh, and suddenly, when this event started happening, my the mental and body apparatus got contracted, and the mind ran a new narrative I'd never heard before. I mean, it was very. It had a very sober, authoritarian voice. It was very bassy, not treble. Like, you've got to do this. But it was like, you're going to die. Yes. You better visit your holy sites. You know, <laughs> you go, whatever. <laughs> and it was making it really drenching with a romantic termination. You know what I mean? It was great to watch. And it, and it had this, this constricted body was what it was doing. And my attention is strong, yeah? So, 
And the mind's intention, when it takes something to be serious, it puts a big light on it. So my heart became the center of my physical and mental universe. I felt every second the heart, what was going on. I mean, the mind's attention, the conditional mind's attention, was circling it, circling like uh, you would do, you know, like wagon train thing. Circle the wagons, yeah? And, uh, and, uh, and the sense of a body was totally unfamiliar to me. It felt very strange, yeah? And the narrative, I hadn't heard this one before. You know, I've heard a lot of them, but this one I hadn't heard before. The thing is, you don't listen, but you hear it. You cannot not hear it, because you're aware conscious. So there it was doing its thing and uh, man it was just a performance. Yeah. It was just trippy. And so then I had an impulse and I started take, doing things. Made other appointments do this. No thinking about it. It was just something was recognized because I could see when the mind hovers over something yeah, it senses it perfectly. I mean it felt every sensation but its interpretation of the sensation leaves a lot of room for uh, authenticity, so to speak. That's why I need people outside of me when it comes to, let's say, health and things to sort of inform me. It's almost like with a sponsor in a way. If you're, run, if you're doing something in your head in recovery and you're thinking it's a great idea, yeah, because the mind has a sense, but it interprets the sense in a very different way than maybe the sense is really uh, pulsating. Yeah? So you can't really trust that take. But this was really having a take that I was going to go yeah, strong. Really, actually, I enjoyed it in a lot of ways because of the strength of it. Yeah, I mean, it was a great performance. It's one of the better ones I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and it stayed on the stage too because my body every day was feeling really weird. You know? Like not familiar, like a glove that you've been, like, like a sheath you've been in. Suddenly, the sheath was totally different. Yeah, it's really like very. Uh, Alienish. So uh, what happened? Nothing yet. Yeah. You know, I went there, and there was a stubborn idea that I don't like to take medicine, but I had to give up that idea. So now, in the back of Deb's car, there's like three prescription bottles of shit I'm taking now, and the guys tell me today, you're gonna have to take this for the rest of your life. You know, this blood pressure medicine and stuff. And so I said, you know. And then it's like that idea we do in AA. You fit yourself around circumstances, yes? Instead of trying to fit them around you. And it's much easier if the you isn't involved in that. <laughs> You're, it's much easier for life to fit itself around life than a you, which is a mental product, fitting itself around life. How it fits itself around life is by interpreting life and making it small and then wearing life like a, a, a garment. Yeah, that's not fitting yourself around life, yeah? That's like it says, you, you want to fit life around you. And if there is that you as the center of the interpretation and the, and the uh, storyteller, that life is going to be small. No matter how big and grand it looks outside, and everyone in the world may be giving you great approval, oh, you're incredibly great, but in your head you're living in a very small, small, small place. Yes, Very small. But without a you, it seems like all those blinders get removed and then you are open to information that doesn't have to go through that middleman. Yeah, which where which that information, you have to realize the information isn't being received cleanly. It's it's received and then interpreted to support an agenda you don't know, yeah, in a lot of cases. Yeah. So you're under the assumption that you'd really like to do better, 
But that may not be the agenda of the conditional mind that you're saddled with, yes? It may have an intention to really have a fucked up thing because it gets to be right about something, yeah? You know what I mean? But if the you, which is like the, uh, it's like the representative of that whole system. If you're not that you, then the effects and the translations of the system lose emphasis. In other words, you hear them, but you don't listen to them. Yes? Yeah, yeah. There's a hearing level, clear as day, but there isn't that transfer to listening. Because once there's a listening, there's a listener. Yeah? Hearing is being awake or conscious. Yeah? You hear. But when there becomes the hearer, that's the story. Yes? Yes, that's the story. When it moves from, when, when there's listening, there's a listener. When there's hearing, it's much easier to ha have the sense there's just hearing. But when there's a listener, you know, when there's listening, there's a listener. Yes? In other words, you're keenly interested in what's being said. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like the bondage to the idea of being a self. And we're just entertaining the basic center of that system that has its hands all over what you call your life. All its fingerprints are every fucking where. Yeah? And if you're not that, then that, that clench, that hand over your life, constantly translating and interpreting it from that very small point of view of a self, it's just incredibly tiny, that gets lifted, and what happens is you sense that space, you sense the presence, you sense the freedom from the bondage to self. You don't need freedom from self. There isn't one. But what you need freedom from is the bondage to self. That's the activity of the mental process. Yeah? There's no self to be bonded to. That's the solution. That's the only solution that holds water. Is there is no self. In other words, there is no post like this that I can be bonded to. Yeah? Here I am, not knowing why this is so. There's the... Uh, this idea of being a self and my act of being identified as that is the bonding. Yeah. That's how I'm bonded to it. Yeah. I'm so bonded to it in the mind state that I don't see it. I'm identified as it. Yeah. So I'm walking around in this constantly glued state to an imaginary post in a way. Yeah. And all my interest and attention is on a very, very short leash and it's only going out there to verify that idea, yeah? It's all out there looking and reading and every, it's, it's mathematics is, is crazy because its primary number is one, yeah? <laughs> and really, the primary number of life is zero. If you look at the mathematics of life, it's zero, yeah? That's what makes, it causes uh, a sense to be made out of a lot of things that used to seem to be very confusing to you, yeah? The one is the little, crazy number, yeah? And things don't add up. Yet, the mathematical theorem we're in has the center as a self or as a single, independent, separate unit, yeah? And from that assumption, it's giving all the meaning to all the translations and interpretations. That's why I believe, instead of trying to cut yourself out of all that interpretation and translations and stuff, is just to get to the root. Is that 
what's actually happening here. If there is no self, in a way, if there is no inherent, separate, long-lasting, independent, separate entity, then truly, the relief that is sought is from the bondage to self. The bondage to self. So how does mind get bonded to the self? It takes itself to be self. It takes, it's not even it, it becomes identified as that. That's the bonding mechanism. Yeah. See it. When you see it, when you see it, there's a possibility of not a long, drawn-out path to freedom, but because the solution is timeless, it will be an immediacy. Yeah. An aha or resonance or something will occur many, many times in your life where that aha didn't take three months to come up. It was just a very immediate boom because the solution's quality, one of them, is timelessness. Yeah? And so if there is the act of being bonded to this idea of self and there's no self to be bonded to, yeah, that's the solution. Because how can, how can what you are be bonded to something that doesn't exist? <laughs> to bond two things, there has to be two things. You can't bond one thing. You can only, it can only appear to be bonding, and that's the act of identification. That's the selfing. The selfing appears to bind you to the idea of life based from self. Yeah? It only appears to bind you, though. It's not, it only appears to be true or false to you, because there is no self to be bonded to. That's what I'm asking. That's what we ask in recovery. Please, please relieve us from what? Not self but from the bondage to self. And if you use the from and to are very different. Bondage to something, yes? So I take one piece of wood, I put some glue on it, and I bond it to another piece of wood. Yeah? This, and, so, and once it's bonded, it's a bitch to get up, right? Let's say you use crazy glue. Now you live with that reality that these two pieces are bonded, and let's make the best of it, you know? Let's therapize this other piece of wood or whatever. Let's hopefully you get a little break. But if what you're bonded to is not a thing, it's not existing in a sense, it's not quote-unquote real, there's the solution. Yeah. How can what you are beyond be bonded to what you're not? Only through an appearance, only through a mental activity, only through what I call selfing. Yeah. It, co- it makes the appearance of being bonded to self. And you can see it every time. Ask yourself in recovery what self defeated you. It's always myself. Everyone answers the same way. It's not self defeated me, my self defeated me. If it was self defeated me, quote unquote, yourself would defeat me. Yeah? I'd be totally defeated by every yourself I ran into every day. It would be a total, total, first of all, it would be such a complete defeat, there wouldn't be any sense of being defeated. It would just be taken the way it is. That's sort of what it's like, anyway. Yeah. That assumption being taken to be true causes us to, s- our whole view is skewed, what we put up with and shit like that, you know. Oh, yeah, please relieve me of the bondage to self. The same thing with your mind adhering to what's not happening. Yeah? If it adheres to what's not happening, that adherence produces an effect. What's not happening cannot produce an effect because it's not happening, yeah? But your belief in it, your you being adhered to what's not happening produces an effect here. 
that, that imaginary fantasy world gets to manifest here, its effect on you. And then if it really takes you over, you'll probably lay an effect on someone else based on that false evidence appearing real. And so on and so forth. So it like geometrically progresses, yes? And then it seems to affect a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. So it's finding form or expression through us, yeah? Right now it's just an impression and it's a false impression. But it can appear real to you and me. And once it does, it's usually matched with some action here. Yeah? Some will, sooner or later, the mind will say, fuck it, and then it just acts on what it believes to be so. Yeah, just like that guy in Norway, maybe. Yeah? Got a whole story going, and he's, you know, you have to see the, the, the length a mind can go when it thinks it's right. Yeah? And yet, it's inherently totally wrong. <laughs> but it's, it can do a lot of stuff here. Because these mental grooves are like hovering around looking for expression. They're impressions, you don't see them now, because they're in mind, like potentialities, yes? And through this manifestation, those potentialities can find expression. Yeah. And one of the ways you're gonna get a certain strain of these mental grooves expressing with the, uh, the, like the masthead of self, the idea of being a self, opens opens up a valve where a lot of those mental grooves that we call to be normal shit happening here get to access life and manifest. Yeah? But it's the self that's allowing those potentials to become manifest here in activity. Yeah? The idea of hate is an idea, but then it finds expression here when you believe it. You may act out on somebody. Yeah? Or worse, not worse, but you may just be in a, in a like a cloud of hate your whole life. Self will be hating self, and you'll be taking yourself to be both. The one who's hating and the one who's hated. It'll just switch. It's like having a conversation with two imaginary people, and they just switch seats. You know? <laughs> Motherfucker, oh, 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 oh. You're, playing, you're playing both roles. It's just incredible. It's like, like that. It's like <laughs> a phantom having a conversation with a phantom. Yet, that, that conversation finds expression here. Because I don't give a shit, there is no hell, but I've seen mental hell. And I've seen a lot of people who are exhibiting mental hell. Yeah? It's, I'm not open to it, I can't go there, but they seem to be there. Yes? And it's a subjective experience, and I'll tell you, you don't know what it's like until you're in it. You can say, oh, the day I was in hell, and and you can write down all the facts, but you've got to realize you, your mind gives everything all the meaning it has. That's the hell, it's the subjectiveness. Yeah? It can make, like I say, you drop an alcoholic into heaven, it can be hell in a day. I mean, that's the meaning will give things, yeah? So, I know, I've sensed that, I've sensed that paradigm where there was a believing in false evidence appearing real, that there was a sense of I know, and yet being totally ignorant, but real strong sense of I know what's going on, and I was like a, it was like an airtight system that my mind had to reflect because it was the dominant emphasis, and it was like hell, yeah. extreme hell, having to watch all these streams of thought with so much drenched with so much meaning, and uh, almost like you're on a torture rack your mind. It's just getting stretched out and, and uh, 
So what causes you to think you're the subject of the subjectivity? The idea of being one, yeah? Yet there is a subject, but that subject has been claimed by the mental process. And that flag of subjectivity has been located and fixed in this body location. And now the body represents the you that's, that's subjective, that you're the one that's seeing. You're the one that's feeling. You're the one that's hearing. Yes? And when there's seeing of thoughts in the position of it, they're your thoughts and they're about you, there's no seeing of the thoughts. You're just, you're just in like a, a dryer on a spin, not spin, you know, tumble. You're just tumbling yeah, in the thoughts, just tumbling in all the meaning. Yeah, there's no seeing at that point. Once a, a thought is seen, which is the initial contact, yes? But then the mental process claims it as I'm the seer of it or it's about me. There's no more seeing. That's form of looking. Yeah? And looking's never going to get out of what you're not in. It's impossible. Yes? The looking is part of being in it. Seemingly being in it. To, to rely on looking to get yourself out of it is ridiculous. It's been shown to fail. Look at how many people have been looking all their lives to something that's right in front of us. Yeah? but they can't see it. Why? Why is that? Because they're taking a form of looking as seeing. And that seeing has become a verb that you're doing. And those beliefs and those assumptions cause us to be blind to the state of seeing that's available all the time. Yeah? It's not about it's not here and you can't find it. There's an active blindness to it. That's the thing. It's not like oh, one day I'll be able to find it if I keep looking. No, the looking is the act of being blind to it. Yeah? It's not like a passive situation. It's an activity of mind. It's a constant, because it's very difficult in a way to shroud seeing into blindness. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge leap, especially if you had memories, let's say, I don't mean memories of this or that, but when you were a kid and sort of, let's say, the when you were young and it wasn't an abusive situation, days were much brighter, yes? Things were much more uh, immediate and spontaneous, yes? There was a flavor to it. That tends, that's a difficult thing to override, yes? And especially when those possibilities are always offered during the day. You know, no matter how much you're in this linear track of, oh, I'm not going to get what I want today or whatever, there's all these insertions of, of that clarity, yeah? I mean, it's a constant, to me, I call it love, because if there's a belief that you're out cold, then the invitation that's always available at all times would be an expression of love to me. Yeah. If there's a belief that we're, I'm out cold, and yet the solution to that was always available at all times, I would say that's love. I mean, the highest form of love for me. And I don't say highest form, let's just say love. Yeah. Even though there isn't suffering, there's mental suffering. Yeah? There is physical pain, and there's tons of mental suffering that isn't based on anything that's actually happening. And there's also always available at all times the relief of that, which is to see that I'm not that. I am not that which is suffering. Yeah? I am not that that's trying to get out of suffering. I am not that that thinks it's out of suffering. Yeah? I am not that. Once the mind paints your picture on, let's say, the glass of awareness, yes? 
Once the mind paints your picture on it, you're not seeing from the awareness anymore. You're seeing from the face. It's claimed it. And now this is, now awareness is a verb that the face is doing. I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing. And then that mind, as insane as it sounds, can entertain a constant everlasting state is an experience it has or a quality that it can have and lose. Yeah? It takes something that's like the, in the public domain and privatizes it and then interprets it as if I could lose it, I can get it. Yeah? I can get it before other people get it. I'll be the only one who never loses it when I get it. You know, all this stuff where I'm trying to ascend on some egoic hierarchy. Yes, I'm much clearer than everyone else I know. I know this. Yet it's like the public domain. It's just like, a, it's like all we are are tons of fish which have different degrees of believing they're dry, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now the pursuit is to get wet. <laughs> oh, much more wetter than you, man. It's dripping off of me. I'm in that sea of bliss. No, you're fucking not. <laughs> you're not in it. You are it, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's there to see you. That's why I see just come here and share. So I know I have total faith in mine. I do, total faith. Like it says in that Zen old thing, reliance on mine, faith mind. I have total faith in mine. I, it has all the qualities that you are attempting to, you know, get <laughs> or acquire or add on to it. You know, it's it's already exactly so. Yeah. <coughs> the thing is, the mind doesn't like the absence of relevance. It really doesn't. It wants to write itself into the story, and it's really uh, stubborn about that. It wants to have a role in it. I'm the one who said no to God, and then one day. I had, a, I had this event, and then I said yes to God. Who's the bigger God in that? I don't know. Maybe my logic is crazy, but it just sort of seems like the one who said it was saying no to God and saying yes to God is the bigger God in that equation. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it seems like the God that's all-powerful had no say in the matter. <laughs> I would imagine that would imply it's not all-powerful. That there's something or someone that's more powerful than it if it, thro it throws it into a, a state that it can be visited or, or exiled from. I would say that's the bigger God playing, yeah? And I, I've been getting into this, you know, people in recovery. I, I'm, gonna, I'm calling it the most important unspoken step of recovery. And that is quit playing God. Yes. Because it's very clear if you look at it when it says... All right, the whole how and why of this whole program, which is the third step, yes? That's supposedly the main, the keystone to the archway to freedom of recovery is this third step, which is to surrender your will and your life over to the care of a higher power of your own understanding. Yeah. Very simple. But when they describe it in the book, it goes, all right, here's the how and why of it. Get ready. This is the big enchilada. And it says, first, you've got to quit playing God. Because it doesn't work. Uh, to me, that's the biggest unspoken step of the whole program. Because then it goes next in this drama of life, God will be our director and we will be his servants. Yes? 
So he, they talk about the third step, but prior to that, they say, well, if this isn't seen, there, the next that you think is happening won't be really happening. It'll be happening by or to you, and that you is not. Yeah? It's so clear. And I could be wrong, but it's very clear. <laughs> Lately. It just makes total sense to me now, in a, not a way logical, but why is the, if there, if, it, if there is the act of identification as the root of the problem, yeah? I don't believe it's obsession. I think that's what the mind does to reinforce the bonding agent, yeah? The daily narrative is the bonding agent to the imaginary post. <laughs> yeah, it's a self. Yeah, oh, I just, well, there you go. Well, if there is an act of identification and it hasn't been addressed, you could call it most of its antics and shenanigans playing God. Yeah, that's what it does. Yes. You become the center of the universe. You are the one who pontificates about everything. You're the one that's going to know God and go to heaven. In other words, heaven will not intrude on you until you do and pass the mustard to get, get let in heaven and you'll be the doorman. You know, I would say that's God you know, to me, playing God. So... If I'm in that state and I go to the third step, who's taking the third step? Yeah. Who's taking the third step? Is it you? Or is it what's uh, representing you? This, I, this mental thought system of called self-centeredness. And if it is, yeah, and you can see it clearly in, the, in our community, how many people share about surrender when they go, Oh, I surrendered my will in my life, but this weekend I took it back. Yeah? It's like a little kid and a big bully. And the big bully self gives the little kid, oh, here's my bag of candy. But then when the big bully wants it, does the little kid, can a little kid put up a struggle? No, the big bully takes it away. I would say that's playing God. Yeah? So it's sur you surrender your life, and then you'll hear people, and then I took it back. You know? <laughs> I mean, what is it? What's going on? Yeah? I mean... I like to use the word surrendered because when there's the recognition that you're not what's playing God, because it's your ju juice, your God juice in a way that it's using to play God. It couldn't play God without God's juice. It gets God's juice by you and I becoming identified as it. Yeah. Now it has a lot of oomph to really express and manifest. Yeah. So if I'm not that which plays God, that takes away its juice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now I have an experience or I have an understanding that when I turn my will, my life over, it's not to a higher power of my own understanding, which would be self's understanding, it's of its own understanding. Yeah? So now I have now opened myself up to really understand God in the right position, which is I don't know and it's going to be revealed to me. Yeah? I'm going to be open because I don't know and I'm going to find out instead of selfing playing God which is I know and now I'm going to know God as if God's something I could pick up and oh yeah, now I know it yeah, I know God yeah, it's insane isn't it I know God when any knowing in fact is a living knowing it's not something that you get once read it and put it down and now you, you're in a, a mental state called I know it's knowing. It's a living knowledge. Yeah? It downloads into a knowing. It doesn't have, it's not I know. I know nudes it. The I don't know allows it to come in and then it allows it to take its own course 
and then you find out yeah, w- about the things and the nothingness that you thought you knew by reading all the books. And I'll tell you, how it downloads is much different than how you read it in books. Yeah? The, the ever-present nature of the solution can't be captured in a book. The timelessness of the solution can't be captured in a book because it just doesn't, it's hard to equ- you know, translate. But if there's an openness of mind, then it's tr- it's some of its qualities, which can only show in manifestation through you and others, yeah? Some of the qualities get to be recognized. You sense it. One of the biggest ones for me is the timelessness of it. So the solution, when it downloads, is an immediate solution because it's not of here, yeah? And it can erase whatever our little mental process is built as an edifice to its own reality through time. All the stories that it's written and keeps selling and then reselling and, you know, collecting with other people, it can be just like that. As if it wasn't even so, because its nature is, it wasn't even so. Yeah? The timelessness of the solution is, is really the demonstration of the imagination of the problem. It's not a real problem. That's why it doesn't take any time to get out of it. Because you were never in it. To begin with. Isn't that beautiful? I love this sort of weird backdoor logic. It works for me. Yeah? Because every other time I addressed this kind of thing called the truth, time was totally shot up in it. Yeah? It's just like, all right, the truth, yes, as if it was a moving target I was going to have to try to zero in on and focus. Yeah, while, while I'm in the midst of it all day, every day, being good or bad, happy or sad. There's, all these are just like pale clouds moving over the face of sky. Yeah? The sky never changes anything. It's always so. That's why you don't notice it. Yeah? It's hard to notice no things. Yeah? <laughs> we like to notice all that's passing, but everything, for those things to pass, there must be a space they're in. And that's a way of knowing, yeah? finding out. That's a very convincing way, yeah. Where what you would thrust into the state of experience now becomes a, a lasting stability. You start realizing you don't have to travel light, yeah. The lightness that's expressing in the traveling is always available at all times, yeah. And no matter what your little guide is saying, oh, I'm really traveling heavy. There, all there is is light. Yeah? All this just passes. There's just two, they're like, there's, it's complementary and conflicting. You know, it's a dualistic approach. So like when you think you're far away from something, then you have a drive to get close. When you think you're close, you're afraid that you'll be far away the next day. Yeah? You're always, the seeking never stops. There's no place where like the son of man can rest his head, like they say in the Bible. If the seeking never stops. Even when you believe you've got it all set up to enjoy peace of mind, the belief that you may not enjoy peace of mind tomorrow is there. Yeah? And, then, and that, that's like the raining of the parade. I mean, even when everything's great, it's sunny as hell. There's a strange suspicion it won't be for long. Yeah? It's always, time is always hovering. Yeah? And time isn't a thing, you know? It's mind. Mind. How mind manifests here has a quality that is needed, which is time. It takes time for something to come and go, in a way, yeah? It's the way it measures this place. Time isn't a thing separate of us, it's mind. 
mind, our minds now. Our dreaming, our manifesting, manifest, one of the major platforms is time. Just like they say time and space. There's, there's, there has to be space for something appearing, yeah, to have an appearance, and it takes time to see the appearance. So time and space is like, like the root laws of manifestation. Yeah? But they're not things. They're just mind. Yeah? So if mind is, is unwed to that bondage to the idea of being a self, it starts getting a quality of timelessness while it's here. Like we have it quite a lot in recovery, the, the, the event called a pause. Yeah? A pause when I remember the first one, the first one I actually saw, I've had them many times probably before, but the day I had that moment of clarity 23 years ago was a pause, and in that pause, what happened is something that I never knew was moving stopped, which was the selfing. I didn't know, I thought there was a self, yeah? I thought it was like a stationary object called Paul. I didn't know it's just movement, it's selfing. But what happened is some, and it wasn't a bad event, it was just a regular day at the office, really. But something inserted, some grace or something, and the selfing stopped, like for a period of time. So I had the sense of timelessness, yeah? Book ended by time. But that sense of timelessness that may have only been a minute translated into time had an impact of a thousand years, yeah? Because not me, I didn't see anything. But mine saw that what it was when the selfing stopped, yeah? That there was something there after the selfing stopped. And it's never forgotten that. And not Paul. Paul can forget it and remember it all fucking day. I don't care about that. But mind recognized something, yeah? It was continuing, not like something that's moving, but like an incredible state or space and then what was getting all the attention moving around in it stopped, and then I got the sense of the space, yeah? Very profoundly wet. And it, started, it set off a train of circumstances in this manifestation that brought me sobriety now, over 23 years. And maybe the pause or the portal was only for like a minute, but it's eternal, it's timeless. So tons of information can come down in no time, yeah? And whatever happened was, it was sufficient to break an incredible bonding to an idea of being a self and all the suffering that entailed in this expression. Yeah? And, it, and it's, been, it's like the longest lasting solution I've ever found in manifestation was what was initiated by that timeless little event. It's affected every, all the time since as this action figure has lived in time. Every moment in time has been affected by that one little like free sample of timelessness. So can you imagine if you entertained what was a, what's that what that represents? Yes. So it's not like mind goes anywhere else. It comes out of an imaginary yogic posture really. That's what it does. Mind just mind has always been space, always will be space, yet it's it's acted as if it's configured in this thing called like a yoga posture of self-centeredness, yeah? And self can't get out of self, so no matter how many new yogas it tries to learn, it's dominated by the yogic 
self-centeredness, yeah? And it doesn't get that a lot. It sees, I should be able to get out of here. But self can't get out of self, obviously, yeah? So when you question the self that you're not, uh, to me, is sort of what you would call the experience of getting out of self. The experience of getting out of self is the recognition you were never in self. That's it, seriously. There's no getting out of self. It's the recognition of the unreality of you as an objectified, inherent, existing thing. It's just not so, yeah? Once that's done, things now start downloading and they verify that entertaining. Yeah? They verify it. And after a while, the love of the story and the be right and special sort of wanes and you just, even if the mind is begrudgingly accepting it, it just goes with the winner. <laughs> it's just fuck it. You know what I mean? I can't win out on this. You can't argue with reality. You lose every time. So, yeah? So it meets a power greater than it and starts to behave in a way. Yeah? <laughs> it knows its position is just like, you know. <laughs> it's like it's there to, it's like a doorman. When someone says, Paul, it goes, yeah, yeah, that's his job. It's not running the uh, condominium anymore, yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, go out and get me something. Yes, master, yes. <laughs> it's like, I should be thinking about the, what's happening. No, 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 no. <laughs> you just keep appointments, keep the charade up. Hey, Paul, uh, yeah, that's, that's me. That's who I am. You're looking really good, Paul. Yes, I know. Yes, really good. <laughs> Only to look bad sooner or later. I know. I know. Yeah. Paul, you're getting really good. I know. I know. I'm good. I've worked hard at it. Yes. I spent a lot of years practicing, and you know, I'm getting my just desserts now. I'm spiritually clear. Can't you see? I mean, look at me. I look. I'm an old man, but I look young. It must be the light that I've been ingesting. Yeah, your mind just goes. <laughs> <laughs> you really truly have it by giving it away. You have it by not owning it. Yeah. Once you own it, it's done. It's done. Once you take a position, you're going to have to fall from that position. It's just that way it goes. Yeah. But if you can see that every check that shows up in your life doesn't have your signature on it, <laughs> then you can be freely receiving and freely giving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Then you have a seat assignment, whatever that seat assignment is. That's it. And you'll know it changes when the music comes on and everyone else gets up and then you walk around and, and now you find another. No, none of the seats has your name on it. This is in your position for life. It's just, you get up and walk around, sit down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. This is my friend from Boston is here. And it's, uh, yeah. He's been searching for us. He found us once again. Good. I know, it's funny how hidden I can be, you know? I swear, I used to have this meeting at the dry dock, and I'm no one, anytime I run into people, I used to go there, where have you been? I've been at Lake Aguello every freaking two nights a week. How can, how can I find Zen Bitch Slap? Like I told you 20 times before. <laughs> Want something, but when push, it's sort of like uh, 
You know, you're in a situation like this guy I work with in the recovery. He's, he's, uh, he, he's back here and he's, he ran into an old girlfriend. So he called his girlfriend in another country and said, hey, what about that thing? Would it be all right if uh, we can, you know, fool around when we're on vacation? And so she's, his girlfriend's on vacation. She says, yeah, yeah. And as soon as he got permission to leave the cage, he didn't leave the cage. He said, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> but while he's in the cage, what makes it really a cage-like uh, atmosphere is you believe you want to get out of the cage. But a lot of times, when the door swings open, no one leaves. <laughs> it pulls the rug right out from underneath you. You have this whole narrative, oh, I'd do anything to feel. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You're doing everything not to. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a nice place to start just realize you don't want to be free get the whole fucking thing off you know like a lot of people come here and I can read into them and uh, you know, they're just looking for permission not to do what they don't want to do anyway invite <laughs> is the perfect situation or non-duality is the perfect situation for that you can get permission not to do what you really believe you need to do to get somewhere like in spirituality I swear and yet alright how am I? I'm not going to name you. I'm not going to sit for 12 days. No freaking way. How can I get out of this? <laughs> I feel terribly guilty that I'm not going for that. Oh, well, I'll find a pseudo-authority and he'll tell me, oh, yeah, thank you. So you already have permission not to do what you don't want to do. Yeah. But just these are all hooks. It puts one hook in and another hook in. While you're taking out one of the hooks, you think you're taking it out. It's actually... Another hook, yeah? Self can't get out of self. And it's all the meaning that self gives things that causes you suffering. If there's no desire to go anywhere, don't go anywhere. You don't want to sit and meditate? Don't meditate. You don't feel like doing yoga? Don't do yoga. Who's, who's playing God? Who set up all the hurdles, yeah? And I find that you're more apt to go towards things that are good for you when you're off the hook, you know? You just clear out all this little yapping and conflicting ideas, and then let the thing, it'll, you know, it gravitates, yeah? You're led instead of navigating, you're led, yeah? But the real relief is like, you know, it's sort of like the need to be liberated is you relieved of that, which is a great, I had a lot of spiritual conditioning, really, and there's no way in hell I wasn't taking myself to be the one that was going to do myself into heaven. And therefore, if I wasn't in heaven, that was because of me. And it just, it just produced like a never-ending pipeline of guilt and shame. You know, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, I, what you would call the most beautiful thing, the mind will use to just aggra aggravate the hell out of itself all day. Yeah? So, any questions? this work tonight. It'd be really nice.